voice hearings, voice 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 hearings, voice 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 this is Hearing Voices, conversations with the voices that bring the excitement of college sports alive. Now, here's your host, the voice of your fighting Tigers, Chris Blair. All right, here we go, headed into another big week in the SEC. I hope all of you are still enjoying last Saturday in the win over Alabama here at Tiger Stadium, which was a uh, thrilling evening for everybody there and everybody watching and listening. But as you heard Coach Kelly say earlier this week, uh, the team has certainly moved on, and they definitely need to as they'll be traveling to Fayetteville to take on Arkansas coming up on Saturday morning. And it is our pleasure to welcome to Hearing Voices this week Chuck Barrett, longtime voice of the Arkansas Razorbacks. And, Chuck, uh, first thing out of the gate, I mean, are you going to try to warm things up? I keep looking at this forecast for Saturday because we're going to start at 11 a.m., and, and, and right now it doesn't look like it's going to be a warm uh, Saturday morning up there as we get ready to kick things off. I think you should bring a coat. I think you should probably bring a warm hat, <laughs> uh, maybe even a pair of gloves. I think it's going to be that kind of morning. I mean, it's. Uh, I checked the forecast. It uh, shows wind chills in the 20s. So uh, it'll be kind of chilly Saturday morning, I think, when we get there. Yeah, I mean, we were talking uh, on Monday during Coach Kelly's press conference, Gordy Rush and I, and we were talking about, you know, you try to replicate noise, you try to replicate intimidating atmospheres, and it's hard to here in Baton Rouge uh, this time of the year to replicate that type of temperature. So we will see how it goes. But Chuck, it's great to see. In fact, I was if if memory serves right, this summer, I, I got to get this out of the way. I, I read somewhere that you are now on the radio as you were for o- well over a decade in the state of Arkansas uh, in the '90s and early 2000s. You're, are you back on the radio every single day doing sports? Talk? I'm back in the game, Chris. Wow, I'm back in the game. I certainly have. Now, I'm not um, – I don't do my own show every day. I'm, I'm what's called a contributor, which yes. means you don't actually have to do the show prep. You just kind of show up. And so um, that's that's the way it's laid out. That sounds pretty good to me. Again, starting with uh, Arkansas baseball, again, well-known, um, just a legend in the state of Arkansas, and then taking over for football in 2007. Um, and as I mentioned, not, not just the voice of Arkansas football and men's basketball and, and before that baseball, but, uh, you know, talking about sports every day. And, and that makes me feel a little bit better because I was trying to figure out, Chuck, how in the world do you juggle all that? Uh, considering this time of year you're working football. And as we all know, uh, you guys have already gotten underway for men's basketball. Uh, LSU started on Wednesday night for the uh, new season. I, I just was having a hard time figuring out how you found the time to prep each week for a game and then also be able to talk about sports. But the contributor thing sounds pretty good. You just come in and throw your opinion around, huh? That's exactly right. I come in and uh, they send a uh, show lineup to me. I get it via email and uh, I kind of glance over it. And so whatever way they decide to lead me, that's the way I go. But you know, this is kind of how all of us, I think, probably, you know, got into radio, maybe, was just being on the air every day. And I missed that part of it. I really did. And so I enjoy that aspect. I like uh, talking to fans every day. And um, I've enjoyed it a lot. I really do. 
How, how do you handle that fine line? And, and I've talked to several who do this, uh, again, represent a team, represent a university, and also you know spend time, if not several times a week, in fact, every day of the week talking sports. And obviously, in, in Fayetteville and in the area, uh, North Arkansas, in fact, for the entire state, I mean, it's going to be Razorback-centric. I understand that. You also got to keep up with what's going on in the sports world uh, from a big picture standpoint. But you know, finding that fine line of, of being critical, not too critical, and, and I know you know how to do it, but people may be out there wondering, how in the world does he go on in the air every day, interact and talk about a, a tough loss for any of the Razorback teams, and, and not be able to go over that line to get himself in trouble? Well, I think the first thing you've got to do is remember that you check your fan card in when that microphone opens up. And I think that's the first thing that you've got to understand. And, and I'm not saying that we don't pull for our teams, but by the same token, you've also got to understand that your first obligation is to be a broadcast professional and uh, your first obligations to your audience. And so um, I think people know where I stand. Um, I've been doing it a long time. They know what I'm, uh, you know, they know what I think. Um, I think that, you know, um, a lot of times when people, when their team loses, what they really want is for somebody to be as mad as they are. <laughs> and um, I don't get as mad as they do anymore, but I think maybe I can provide a little insight. And I know you're in the same spot, Chris, because, you know, we, we, we do see some things from time to time that we may not, you know, repeat verbatim, but it gives us a pretty good idea about how to handle ourselves and maybe what went into a certain situation and why it turned out the way it did. And so I think there's some insight you can bring to the table uh, without being an over-the-top homer and on the other end of the spectrum without being critical of something that you really don't know anything about. Absolutely, Chuck. I agree with that. I think, uh, you know, you handle that through a filter with information that you know, and it usually helps after the fact as opposed to before the fact if you have any insight going into a particular contest. The other thing that I wanted to ask you, um, we live in a social media world, Chuck, as you well know, and just listen to anybody. You know, I used to say under the age of 25. Now you can pretty much go under the age of 50 and everybody's on social media. And I'm the first to admit I'd love to do without it. Um, haven't been able to do that yet, but it seems to me while you have a home on Twitter, I, I'm assuming it's you, you don't dis- seem to be very active. How do you pull that off? And is it one of those things where you just said, you know what, I'll get involved, but it's just not something I want to fool with on a regular basis. Twitter's not something I do on a regular basis. It's just not. Um, part of it's generational. Um, I'm aware of that. Part of it is I've fought it, and uh, so far they've not said you absolutely have to. <laughs> and so um, we've not gotten to that point yet. I think Twitter sometimes is mean. Um, I also know myself, Chris, and I know that um, Twitter might just get me fired. Yeah, that Twitter and, finger. Uh, that Twitter finger can, can get you. So, um, you know, it's been my experience. A lot of times I don't always um, – refrain from hitting send maybe when I should. So um, part of that self-preservation, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, part of it is we have people within our network that do that, and uh, I've managed to stay away from a lot of it. It's not that I, I'm, I'm against it. I'm just saying it's just really not for me. Well, again, just in case you want to be there for the first uh, tweet that comes <laughs> from legendary Arkansas play-by-play voice Chuck Berry, it is – 
at Hog Radio Voice, H-O-G, Radio Voice. So you may be there one instant, and uh, he may say something. You just never know. Uh, Chuck Barrett, again, our guest this week on Hearing Voices, and, and let's talk football. Uh, I wanted to start it, Chuck, uh, with you know coming off really a sensational season, maybe the, the big surprise season in 2021 under Coach Sam Pittman. I mean, there seemed to be a ton of momentum going into the offseason, certainly coming into the preseason uh, Arkansas picked by the media to finish third in the SEC West. Now, there's football games left to be played in conference action, but currently sitting in fifth place and, and obviously not pleased with their overall conference record of two and three and probably not the five and four overall mark. Um, what's it like? What's the feeling uh, in Fayetteville, in the state of Arkansas right now, based on where this team is and based on maybe where expectations were? And the second part of that was, uh, question is, Chuck, were those expectations realistic going into the year? Well, I, I don't think there were unrealistic expectations. I think there were high expectations. When you win nine games, uh, there are going to be expectations. That's just the reality. And I think they knew that going in. Feeling's not real good this week. I mean, they lost to Liberty. So, um, you know, the feeling's not real good. I think the fan base feels like there are two games that slipped away. Uh, the A&M game in uh, Arlington and then the game this past week against Liberty. I think those are the ones that fans look at and say, man, we ought to be seven and two. Um, both close games, both two-point games. Last year, Arkansas won a lot of close games, including the game in Baton Rouge. And uh, the year before in the three and seven year, they lost some close games. They lost some one possession games. And so a um, couple of times this year, it's just not, you know, once it really kind of just didn't go their way, down at A&M, I think the feeling after the Liberty game was that, you know, that was that was the bad game. I mean, that was the game that people expected to win, and they didn't win. And um, so I think that that's what dominates the sentiment right now. And the only way you get rid of that is to win a game. And, you know, we've got LSU, Ole Miss, and Missouri left, and we've still got to get bowl eligible. So uh, there's some work left to do in that regard, too. But I think that I don't think the expectations were unrealistic. Um, I just think there's been a couple of close games that went our way last year that didn't go our way this year. I want to get your take, Chuck. I got a chance to watch kind of the coach's cut of Liberty in Arkansas. Did that uh, on Monday of this week. And the one thing that stood out to me, as we all know, the story with Hugh Freeze, uh, that he's offensive-minded, offensive genius, whatever you want to tag to it. Um, so it's not a surprise he can put up points. I think maybe what was the biggest surprise – is defensively from Liberty in the first half. Now, that changed, obviously, in the second half. But in the first half, uh, and in the game, in, in fact, 14 tackles for loss. Yeah. Um, I think – I forget how many sacks. Four or five sacks. Um, and, and, and the story, of course, going into the game was that K.J. Jefferson, who's been beat up, got, got injured, got knocked around a little bit against Texas A&M. Again, maybe a shoulder injury or re-aggravated against BYU, that he didn't practice last week, but was, according to Coach Pittman, healthy enough to go and that's why they went with him because why not um but but was that KJ Jefferson not being 100 percent was it the offensive line having a bad day or was it just some kind of miracle that uh, Liberty was able to play that way defensively again in the first half to help them build that 21 nothing lead well you know when you look at Liberty this was the fourth game they've won with 21 points so they've not been an offensive juggernaut they've won their games with defense and you know, K.J. didn't have his best game, but Liberty lived in the backfield, too. Um, they stunted, they twisted, they came from everywhere, and 
The Razorbacks didn't do a very good job of picking it up. When they double-team a guy on the edge, there'd be a guy looped back around, and there was nobody there to pick him up. And um, it was just that kind of day. I, I thought I thought from the first play from scrimmage, frankly, that things seemed a little bit out of sync. Um, you know, KJ's hurting. I mean, like a lot of quarterbacks that run, you get to November and there's going to be some, there's going to be some weeks where you don't feel great. I think this was one of those weeks. And then you compound that with the fact that the offensive line probably had their worst game of the year. Not probably they did. And so, um, they just were never able to get it going offensively. It's a lot harder at second and 12 than it is at second and four or five. And that's kind of where they found themselves through the bulk of the first half was, um, I mean, those lost yardage plays, a lot of them came on first and second down. And uh, they were behind the stakes. And um, he completed passes, but sometimes they were short of the marker uh, because they were, you know, they were in such long situations. So I thought that was the biggest thing was um, the offensive line at its worst game of the year. KJ was sore and, um, it just kind of culminated in a really bad day. Again, Chuck, I don't know if you have the answer. I don't know if anybody has the answer. Now a couple of days away from kickoff uh, on Saturday morning, LSU and Arkansas. I, I, I know that Coach Pittman said this week that right now KJ seems to feel better and is expected to play on Saturday. I mean, is that pretty much what you've been hearing and we can expect to see KJ on Saturday morning? He'll play. I, I, I don't. I don't have any doubt about that. He'll play now. If, you know, if something happens during the game and he gets knocked out, he won't play anymore. But um, you know, even even in the situation that he was in, or the condition, if you want to use that word, last Saturday, he's still their best option. He still gives them the best chance to win at quarterback. And um, KJ's a gamer. I mean, if you noticed in the second half, now Arkansas didn't win, but when they got it going offensively in the fourth quarter, I mean. He looked fine to me at that point in the game. And so um, I think he'll play. I think he'll start. And I think he'll go, unless he gets hurt, I think he'll play virtually every snap. Again, getting ready for LSU and Arkansas Saturday morning. Rocket Sanders um, has, again, a, just a phenomenal year. I think seven career games of 100-plus yards, six of those this season. Uh, Chuck, for those of us who may say, okay, it's a one-dimensional offense. Let's stop the run. Let's contain K.J. Jefferson. Let's contain Rocket Sanders, and Arkansas is in trouble. How true is that, or are we totally off the mark that it's that one-dimensional under uh, O.C. Kendall Browse? Right. It's, it's, it's very balanced. I mean, you know, last year Arkansas averaged over 200 yards passing and rushing for the first time in 50 years, you know, first time they'd averaged over 200 in both, and they're going to have an even higher average in both this year. I mean, if you look at the numbers right now, I mean, they're, they're well above 200 in both. And so um, I think they're, they're, they, they're as balanced as they've been. Now it's predicated on being able to run the ball. Um, the thing that they had been able to do, they did not do it against Liberty. They had done it against BYU and Auburn. Uh, was throw effectively on first and second down, particularly first down. Um, I'll be interested to see if they get back to some of that uh, this week. But they've been balanced offensively. But it, it, as we saw Saturday against Liberty, when you can't run, those other things aren't going to work either. And so, um, but when they've got it going, uh, when they've got it going, there's there's a very good balance to what they do. Great insight from Chuck Barrett, voice of the Arkansas Razorbacks. A couple of more personnel 
uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on, and that is in the passing game uh, with Hazelwood, the the transfer who, uh, again, spent three years at Oklahoma, and Matt Landers, who started his career at Georgia, then a year at Toledo, uh, seem to be the go-to guys in the uh, receiver room. And then, of course, Trey Knox, I think, is is kind of that, that danger zone at tight end. I think about uh, 18 receptions so far on the season. What type of challenges do they bring to any secondary, much less LSU, coming up on Saturday? Well, there is a level of speed there that, you know, we've not always had. And um, I think both those guys bring that. Landers has really, he's come into his own the last three or four weeks. Um, He caught some balls early and then just kind of went AWOL for a little while and um, had a big game at BYU and has played well since. Hazelwood's been sort of the go-to guy. Um, You know, we had to replace Traylon Burks. And I think, you know, KJ had that comfort zone last year that when, you know, when it didn't look right. You just threw it up to Burks. And I mean, that was, that was a pretty good plan. Um, it's different now. They're deeper at that core than they've been. Knox is a real key. I think they've had from time to time, they've had a couple of young receivers, uh, Jackson and Stevens who've had their moments, but they've not really developed that, that consistency there. Thompson's been serviceable, uh, not great, but um, Hazelwood and Landers, I think are the two that, probably have the potential to do the most damage there. Let's switch to the defensive side of the football. And before we talk personnel, uh, I wanted to ask, I mean, Barry Odom is as respected and revered as a defensive coordinator, defensive coach as there is in college football. And I don't think it'll be any different this year that when you play Arkansas the next morning, you're going to know you were hit by the Razorbacks. They're a physical team, and that's really kind of been the MO for a lot of years, but certainly under Coach Odom. What's missing this year? I mean, giving up, I think, uh, close to 30 or just over 30 points per game. When you talk to the defensive coaches or you hear them talk about what they're trying to do, is there something missing or is it just at times execution? What, what do you think the answer there is defensively? Well, a big part of the problem has been the secondary and that they've just been beaten up. I mean, they lost, uh, they lost their All-American in the first game. Uh, they lost a starting corner shortly thereafter. Um, they've had guys miss. Um, they've had a lot of different combinations back there in that secondary. They're playing guys before their time. Start of the game last week on the on the defense, start of the year wide receiver. So that's just kind of – and he's a true freshman. So that kind of gives you an idea about where it's been. You know, it, when, when, when people think of a young secondary – a lot of times they think of poor pass defense. And there have been some moments where they've gotten beat. But it's really tackling in the running game that, that, that really has, has, has hurt them in the secondary. Their front seven or front six, as it is a lot of times now, um, they're fine there. Um, they're legitimately too deep along the defensive line. They don't lose a lot going from the ones to the twos. They've got good linebackers. Uh, they've had good linebackers for the last couple of years. Not all Americans, but good linebackers. But this year, it's just been the secondary. And, uh, um, you know, guys are doing the best they can. But you got guys playing right now that they didn't plan on playing. And it's been trial by fire. And there have been some games where it's not looked real good. But um, they could tackle a little bit better. And I, and I mean all of them in that respect. Um, but, um, I think for the most part, it's just been the fact they've not been as healthy as they've needed to be. 
Well, you mentioned that linebacker. You mentioned that front seven. Obviously, beyond having one of the greatest names in college football, Bumper Pool, fifth-year senior uh, at linebacker, uh, I think is, I want to say, yeah, second in the SEC in tackles. The numbers are, are eye-popping. And then Drew Sanders in the middle of that linebacking core uh, coming in from Alabama. I mean, it, that's got to help this defense. I'm sure Coach Odom likes having the ability to rely on those two guys at that position uh, week in and week out. You know, with the way defenses are, are operating now, it's not to say you don't need to have depth at linebacker, but, you know, you don't have to have five or six great linebackers to be good at that spot. And, you know, both those guys have stayed healthy. Uh, both those guys have been solid players all year. Now, they've got a couple of young players, one of them, Chris Paul Jr., that'll play a lot in passing situations, and he's developed. But, um, you know, Sanders came in, and he was generally a guy that played on the outside at Alabama. Um, Arkansas moved him inside, and he's done very well. I mean, you know, this is a 6'5 kid that he was a five-star. You know, you can tell the minute you – I can remember in August seeing him the first time. I mean, you can tell that this guy's the real deal. And, um, you know, Bumper's been banged up. I mean, kind of like a lot of, you know, you forget sometimes these six-year guys, I mean, you know, they've been playing football now at this level for six years. And so their bodies have a wear and tear from that. And, um, you know, Bumper's been kind of banged up some this year. And that's why he's not played as much on third down. But um, he's the all-time leading tackler, and that pretty much speaks for itself. Absolutely. Interesting storyline. And, and this is the world we live in again, Chuck, that uh, with the transfer portal, which again, I think allows teams to improve from year to year, depending on what they need and what they can find in the portal. Um, there's, there's good and bad to it. Let's face it. But this storyline going into this weekend, Arkansas sent a couple of guys LSU's way and LSU sent a couple of guys north to Arkansas. Uh, obviously, Dwight McLaughlin at corner um, and Landon Jackson, who I think has kind of found his footing uh, for Arkansas defensively. But that's a storyline there. I know Coach Kelly was asked about it on Monday and he said, hey, you know, the guys who returned here, uh, including Fouché, you know, they, they, they're playing for Louisiana now. And I'm sure the, the same can be said for both Dwight and Landon. Um, but it's it's that's where we are now. I mean, I think back to five, eight, ten years ago. Um, that would have been a wild story, but now it's just that's what it is in college football. It's almost like one of those trades in professional sports where you say it helped both teams. Yes. Yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're always, you know, sometimes there's a big winner and a big loser in, uh, in, in trades. I mean, um, Dwight McLaughlin's been really good, and so has Landon Jackson. And I know Joe Fouché and Greg Brooks have been good for LSU. And, uh, there's days we think, man, you know, love to have Fouché and Brooks back there. And I'm sure there's been games where they thought, man, we'd love to have Dwight McLaughlin over there. We'd like to have Landon Jackson. So, you know, I think both teams got some things that they needed out of that, what really boiled down to a swap, as you say. Chuck Barrett, again, our guest, uh, gracious enough to give us some time this week on Hearing Voices. He'll be on the call with his broadcast team. Again, kickoff just after 11 a.m., and he's already told us, and if you were listening and you're headed to Fayetteville, do like I'm going to do, and that is take plenty of layers uh, for kickoff on Saturday morning. Uh, Chuck, I, I got to tell you, uh, nobody's going to be pulling for Arkansas that's an LSU fan this weekend, but I get the sense that a lot of fan bases in the SEC – really like Sam Pittman. And when they're not playing the Razorbacks, 
they're pulling, if not for Arkansas, they're pulling for Sam Pittman. He seems like America's best uncle. What's it like to work with Sam? Because he seems like he's a ton of fun. Obviously, he gets to work and knows when to work, but he's, he seems like he'd be fun to be around. He's a really genuine guy. Uh, I, you know, there's, there's, there's not much difference from what you see on television to what he is when you, as you know, when you go into the office and, you know, you record a pregame show or you do a radio show with a coach uh, in the off-air moments. He's, he, he's a genuine guy, and he's got the ability to, you know, visit with you for about 15 minutes and you walk away and you feel like you've made a friend for life. Um, he speaks Arkansas, if that makes sense. Uh, uh, just, just like there are people that speak Louisiana and, uh, uh, they speak the language and, and the fans relate to that. And I think he's got that knack. Um, it's very easy to see why he's been such a good recruiter over the years, because, um, uh, he does have a, he does have that gift of being able to make that one-on-one connection with people. So, you know, from my perspective, He's been an absolute joy to work with. I mean, as, as, as much fun to work with as any coach I've ever worked with in any sport. So, um, you know, from that perspective, I hope he's successful and stays around a long time because he makes my job pretty easy. I imagine so. And, again, he is, he is so good with the quick one-liners, super witty guy, and uh, has had some great moments already. All right, last thing, Chuck, before I let you go. Obviously, earlier this week, uh, LSU moving up to number seven in the college football playoff poll. Uh, there's all kinds of speculation on what will happen. We'll all find that out at the end of November. But to say there's something to play for for LSU this Saturday and the ability to maybe not be hung over from the big win Saturday against Alabama is probably true. There's a lot on the line for LSU. You mentioned it earlier, Arkansas trying to get bowl eligible, trying to to turn things around here with three games remaining all in conference. How big is this game for Arkansas on Saturday? Biggest game they've played so far. Um, you know, you, you, you feel like in some respects your season's hanging in the balance. Now, obviously, there are going to be two more ball games after this. And if you win one of these three, there's going to be a bowl game too. But I think in terms of finishing this thing the way you want to, having an opportunity to go to a bowl game that you want to go to. Um, you know, I think it's uh, I think it's in the balance this weekend. Um, they lost a game they shouldn't have lost last weekend. And that means you got to win one maybe you're not supposed to win. And um, I don't expect LSU to be anything other than LSU, which is tough and physical. And Arkansas and LSU always seem to manage to play close games regardless of you know, what teams have done the week before. And I, I expect it'll be that way Saturday. Obviously, Arkansas wants to keep the golden boot in Fayetteville. LSU wants to get it back south uh, here in Louisiana. Chuck, I'm a big fan. Listen to you guys all the time. Appreciate uh, all that you do. Enjoy what you do. And uh, look forward to seeing you Saturday. And, and we'll be bundled up. I'll have plenty of layers ready to go on Saturday morning. And thanks again for taking time out to join us. We'll see you then. My pleasure, Chris. You're one of the best. Thank you. That's the great Chuck Barrett joining us. Great to have him here on Hearing Voices. And as always, it's great to have you here as well. Again, we'll be back next week. Another guest, but uh, get ready, Tiger fans. Another football Saturday coming your way. For Harrison Valentine and, of course, Chuck Barrett, I'm Chris Blair. Still Hearing Voices.